If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Save big money on everything. Now at Menards. Make quick work of your outdoor cleaning project with Master Force Outdoor and Landscaping Tools. The 80 volt cordless trimmer is powerful, efficient, and hassle free. So you spend less time working on your yard and more time enjoying the results. On sale now through May 19th. Check out our wide selection of Master Force tools and see the rest of our deals on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Whether thou art a ghost that hath come from the earth, or a phantom of night that hath no home, or one that lieth dead in the desert, or a ghost unburied, or a demon, or a ghoul, whatever thou be until thou art removed, thou shalt find here no water to drink. Thou shalt not stretch forth thy hand to our own. Into our house enter thou not. Through our fence break through thou not. We are protected, though we may be frightened. Our life you may not steal, though we may be scared to death. Welcome to Scared to Death, Creeps, Peepers, Roberts, and Annabelles. I'm Dan. Hey, Dan. I'm Bob. You're Bob this week. Yeah. Hey, Bobby Lindsay. <laughs> Hi, it's me, Lindsay. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to everyone listening. Uh, take a break from the horror of spending time with your relatives and, you know, spend some uh, time with us. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I love Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm, me too. I, I don't I don't care about anything except for the food. I know. It is the best, it is the best comfort food. It is. It's so good. My perfect combination is turkey, mm-hmm. a little bit of stuffing. A little bit of cranberry and a little bit of sweet potato, like all in one bite. Because as you know, I have to eat every bite like it's my last mm-hmm. and I need the proportions to be just right. Ah, I like turkey with a little bit of gravy on it, mashed potatoes, gravy on it, uh, green bean casserole, cranberry sauce, and uh, sweet potato casserole with the uh, marshmallows on top. That's my perfect plate. And I don't mix them. Mm-hmm. Other, other than turkey and potatoes, I'll mix those together. This year, I'm going to make, I told your mom that I would make these cheesy potatoes mm. that you've never had that are like a thing in my family. And they're like, they're so trashy, ter- like terrible for you. It's like <laughs> frozen shredded Orida potatoes, like a cubed potatoes, sour cream, like, and then you put, I think, potato chips on top. Hmm. They okay. are delicious. Okay. They sound delicious. Yep. So that's what I'm into. <laughs> uh, hope you all are having a, a great Thanksgiving, and I, and I hope you are actually enjoying time with the family. I, I was thinking of more of those peripheral relatives that, uh, you know, sometimes you see them once a year, and it's more than enough. Yep. Uh, I feel like many of us have those. Um, <laughs> and hope you have a lot to be thankful for. We are very thankful that you keep listening to the show and really all the Bad Magic production shows. Mm-hmm. A brand new Heartbreaker mini collection in store now at badmagicmerch.com. Awesome tee and sweatshirt hoodie featuring what I can uh, best describe as a uh, a broken soul. Oh. A shattered love ending Aww. in tragedy, perhaps. 
but not not this one. But not this one. No, that's one. It's just a fun design for uh, for merch. Okay. And uh, the Bad Magic Productions Charity of the Month, still IAVA, Iraq and Afghanistan Veterans of America. Uh, thanks to you, Creeps and Peepers, we have given them $15,800. So proud to help those who help so many. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. For additional info, go to IAVA.org. And you have a quick uh, giving tree update, I believe. I do, I do. And as you guys know, we record several weeks in advance. So as of recording, nominations are still being accepted as our donations. But by the time you hear this, Mm -hmm. that will no longer be true. And by the time you're hearing this, if you submitted uh, your name into the proverbial hat, you would know if you were selected. So make sure you're checking your junk files. Um, But as of today, we have heard from 135 families that are seeking help, which... Is I believe more than last year. I need to compare the numbers, but I think we're already exceeding the yeah. requests from last year. And we have so far received four thousand and seventy-two dollars worth of additional donations from fans. That's amazing. It is amazing because it's like a fifteen-dollar donation here, a twenty-five-dollar yep. donation here, and then there are some people who are fortunate enough. We had a couple five hundred-dollar donations wow. and a couple two hundred and fifty-dollar donations and several one hundred-dollar donations, which is a hundred bucks is like nothing to scoff at. And are donations still being accepted? Nope. No, okay. no, no okay. because okay. we have to start shopping. And, and the reason that we, by the time you hear this, the reason that we're not accepting donations anymore is because as a company, we are not a nonprofit, so I cannot accept your money. That's, gotcha. We're not paying you for a service. We're not hiring you for a service. There cannot be an exchange. Gift cards are a different story. It's like a way to kind of sneak around it. Yeah. Because then we use those to buy the things. So by the time you're hearing this, we're already shopping and we need Got to know it. how much money we have to have decided how many families we can help. So unfortunately... No more. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, but I, I guess if you're listening to this and you're desperate to help uh, and you have a, a, an amount of money that you feel like you could shop for a family of a couple kids, I could definitely go through the emails and somebody who wasn't able to get on the list of people that were chosen whose name didn't get drawn out of the hat. Uh, if you feel like you want to shop for a family, I'm sure we could figure that out. And where would they send that email to? Uh, you would send that email to givingtree at badmagicproductions.com and just Great. put in the subject line, I want to shop for a family or something like very obvious so I don't, so I don't think it's just another submission. Okay. 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 That's fantastic. Whew. Uh, how many stories do you have today? Well, Daniel, I have what I haven't done in a very long time, one big juicy oh, okay, story. okay, cool. Yeah, it's been a while since we've mm-hmm. done that. And shake it up. Shake it up. Uh, I have my normal two. Do you want to give any information about yours? Oh, preview my, or, or Yeah, mine's about, a, mine's about a lifelong haunting. Lifelong haunting, okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think it's it has like a lot of like ups and downs and uh, it's, a, it's a really great tale. It's okay. a really great tale. I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing it. Uh, I have two, um, kind of. The first story is really several stories just rolled into one along the same theme. Okay. It's a collection of tales about haunted paintings. Oh. We haven't done a collection like that before. I don't think we've ever looked at a haunted painting. No, they've come up like peripherally in like a, in a few stories where people get spooked by a painting in a house. Oh, you yeah, know? we had that not that long ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we haven't had like, um, you know, in the stories we've had, it's like, is the uh, haunted, is, is the painting haunted or is the home haunted? And the mm-hmm. paintings, it just happens to be in the home. This is a collection of, you know, paintings that move from place to place and bring their haunted energy with them. So this is a, a different type of story for sure for us. Okay, yeah. And that's viable. I mean. Yeah, and the, and the next story, uh, also a collection of sorts, uh, a collection of sightings all regarding North Carolina's mysterious brown mountain lights. Hmm. What are they? Ball lightning? Train lights? Some other easily explainable non-paranormal phenomena? Or, or something else entirely? 
Okay. So we have a, a, a variety of mysteries to explore today. I'm into it. It sounds like a fun episode. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Are you ready to get started? I am. I'm going to show off my socks, and I'm just going to say, as many of you know who've been following my journey, my hip is giving me a lot of trouble today. So if I randomly and suddenly stand up, it's because it's like I've been uh, sitting and it's just been catching, and all of a sudden it's like that horrible feeling of like if I don't move, I'm going to like spontaneously combust. So if I, <laughs> if I suddenly stand up, I'm sorry. Um, look at these like sort of like retro-y guys. <laughs> Those are fun, like uh, 70s style. Yeah, I bought them for myself. Nice. Very nice. All right, let's do it, Dan. Okay, a little bit of setup, but not much in this first story. Uh, and again, we've talked about, uh, you know, various haunted objects here on Scared to Death before. Haunted dolls, the occasional mirror, uh, another object like a Ouija board that serves as a, a portal to some realm different than ours. But uh, to my knowledge, as we just talked about, we've never talked about haunting haunted paintings. Not like this. Uh, again, we've covered some paintings that, you know, hung in homes that their subjects used to live in that have definitely seemed to watch people and move even. But in, uh, you know, these cases is the painting itself haunted or the location where the painting happens to be haunted. Today we talk about works of art going from house to house, bringing some sort of curse or maybe dark paranormal energy of some other kind with them. Time now for the tale of From Out of the Painting It Crawled. Ugh. Let's begin with a very well-known artist, but not a very well-known work. Uh, you're probably familiar with late 19th and early 20th century Norwegian artist Edvard Munch and his famous painting, The Scream, an abstract painting of a man with his mouth open now considered a masterpiece. Even if you don't know it by name, you probably know it by sight. We'll throw up a pic at the end of the story uh, that will, like always, also appear in the Scared to Death Facebook and Instagram feeds. Uh, we'll also throw in a picture of The Dead Mother, a much more less-known work and one that may be haunted. Before he was a famous painter, Munch was weighed down by a childhood tragedy. The pain he felt shows up throughout his works. When he was a young boy, most of Munch's family, including his brother, sister, and mother, passed away from tuberculosis. Mm. His father was a religious zealot who told him that their deaths came as divine punishments for their sins. Munch's father's doom and gloom religious outlook cast a miserable and unhappy shadow over his childhood, and he carried some of that gloom with him throughout his adult years. He once wrote, my father was temperamentally nervous and obsessively religious to the point of psychoneurosis. From him, I inherited the seeds of madness. The angels of fear, sorrow, and death stood by my side since the day I was born. So clearly this affected him. Uh, the dead mother seems to echo a lot of that angst, despair, and insanity that Munch felt. It depicts a young girl with her back turned to a bed on which her dead mother lies as she holds her hands to her ears and displays a wide-eyed expression of disbelief. And some people think that this painting is somehow alive. Several previous owners claim that the girl's eyes have incessantly followed them, and not in a way that a lot of paintings seem to do. With this painting, some people have claimed to truly have watched its figures move. They say that they've witnessed the sheets on the mother's bed move and rustle, and that the girl's apparition has occasionally left the painting altogether. How insane. Imagine having a painting of a young girl and her dead mother on your wall, and then one night before bed, you look over and notice that now the girl is gone entirely from the painting. Burn the painting. Even scarier would be if the mother left with her. Blah. Or if the mother left and the expression on the remaining girl's face was one of malice, one of wait until mother finds you. Currently, the painting is now held at an art museum, uh, Kunstala Bremen in Bremen, Germany. If anything is still occasionally leaving this painting, at least it's not wandering off into anyone's home we hope. On to the next haunted painting. A haunted painting of perhaps a haunted photo. One woman who goes by the name of Laura P. for anonymity claims to have experienced more than just strange sightings. 
An allegedly accomplished painter, Laura wrote that she sold many of her works to individuals and businesses all around the U.S. When she first saw a photo taken by commercial photographer, commercial photographer James Kidd on display in Tombstone, Arizona, she thought it would make for some very cool subject matter for her next work. The photo was of an old stagecoach stop and stagecoach, double exposed with an old wagon in the foreground. When James Kidd had this picture developed, he claims it revealed something he did not expect. Standing on a log to the left of the wagon is a figure he says was not there when he took the picture. And seeing it, I would say that he, uh, he would have remembered this figure had he seen it. The figure is of a headless man, his boots, pants, and coat dangling down as though he had been hanged. James Kidd maintained that the photo had been examined by, or has been examined by Kodak and other experts, and uh, to prove that he did not doctor it in any way. Laura asked him if she could do an oil painting of this photo, and he agreed. Back home in Sierra Vista, Arizona, down by the U.S.-Mexico border, she began work on a 16 by 20 inch oil painting based on this photo, and about halfway through finishing it, she started to get a strange feeling, what felt like a warning. A voice inside asked her, why did she really want to paint this? What was so compelling about it? Should she finish it? Should she not finish it? She brushed off this feeling, thinking it was normal to have artistic doubts. She told herself she needed to push through and complete it. But then when she did complete it, strange things began to happen around her home. Things centered around this painting. They started small. She took the frame painting with some others to display at a local gallery. Three days later, an employee from this gallery's office called her and asked her to pick this painting up. Not the others, just the painting of the headless man. They wanted it out of the gallery. It was freaking the staff out. Every morning, they claimed the painting would be found hung crooked. They would straighten it. The next morning, it would be crooked all over again. And they just didn't like the way the painting was making them feel. And there had been a number of stranger occurrences uh, at the gallery recently. Papers going missing. A suddenly odd amount of accidents, things being dropped, appointments not showing up. Everything felt off since the painting was hung, and they wondered if the painting was somehow to blame. Thinking they were overreacting, Laura took her painting back, and then she'd soon come to regret it. Soon after the painting returned to her home, she began to hear strange bumps in the night, like something rattling around, but she never saw anything moving. She swore she sometimes heard footsteps, but never saw anything. In 1995, Laura and her husband moved to a brand new home in Tennessee, bringing the painting with them, hoping the strange occurrences would stop. The painting hadn't sold like other work she'd done around the same time, and even though Laura herself didn't really like it, she felt like she just couldn't get rid of it, or even store it away somewhere. At the new home, Laura and her husband found the, that the garage roof leaked when it rained. The couple called some roofers to come in and take a look, but although the roofers came three times to repair it, they never found the source of the leak. The painting was hanging on the wall between the living room and the garage, right where the leak was. They moved the painting, and the garage roof never leaked again. Another evening, when Laura was preparing dinner, she set the salt and pepper shakers on the kitchen island before going to the door, calling her husband for dinner, letting him know that dinner was ready. When she got back to the bar, salt had been spilled all over it and all over the floor. The salt shaker was standing upright, still where she'd set it down. Another time, a heavy gate that would have been hard to remove came off its posts for no apparent reason. All the hardware was completely intact. And then there was a time they believed that something in the painting tried to kill them. One night, they'd been doing some yard work when they went into the garage to rest. Laura's husband went inside to mix some drinks, returning with the drinks in thick gold-colored glasses with ice. They finished their drinks, decided to have another. So he went inside with their empty glasses... Laura then took one or two sips from her second drink when she looked down to see a large chunk of glass had been broken off from the top. 
The glass had been whole when she had started to take her drink, at least she thought. Right away, she thought her husband maybe knocked it over or something, but he swore he didn't. They looked all over the floor of the wet bar for the piece of glass. They couldn't find anything, couldn't see anything on the floor in any part of the house. She poured the rest of the drink through a strainer to see if the chunk of glass had fallen in, but there was nothing. The missing piece was too large to swallow without her noticing it, so where did it go? They never found it. The painting hung directly over where Laura's husband apparently poured the drink. Maybe just a broken glass, nothing more than that, but that's not what Laura believes. And then there's what her neighbor saw. A neighbor wanted to show his mother-in-law photos of Laura's paintings, took them home with him. He left the pictures laying on the table, started playing a three-handed card game, which a dummy hand must be dealt, like a game by himself. When he picked up the dummy hand, every card of the dummy hand was in one suit and sequential, all hearts. Odd, but alone, maybe not that big of a deal. He dealt again, the dummy uh, three-card hand again, all sequential hearts. And then again, and again, and again. Now he started feeling spooked. Then he saw the hazy white figure of a person seemingly get up from a chair at the table he sat at and leave the room. He swears to this day that this figure had no head. He immediately returned the photos and said he never wanted to touch them again. Was he unknowingly playing a card game with a dead man? Laura claims that she still has this painting hanging in her house. Why? She just can't seem to part with it. She's claimed that recently some people have asked to buy it, but she won't sell it. She says she's afraid that someone else might have worse experiences with it than she's had. Is that really why she won't let go of it? Or does it have some kind of hold over her? Is she some kind of Darren? Let's now move on to an even more disturbing painting. When Bill Stoneham based a painting on one of his childhood photos, he had no idea what he was unleashing. When the photo was taken, showing Bill at five years old next to a friend, Bill's father was in advertising and did quite a bit of traveling, and the family was staying at his grandmother's apartment in Chicago to save money. The place was so small, Bill uh, was forced to sleep on a mat in a closet filled with dresses, coats, and hats. Bill regularly played outside with one of the girls from the neighborhood, and during one of these occasions, his parents had both kids pose in front of the glass door for the now infamous photo. Two decades later, Bill would transform this photograph into a painting that even outside of the legend of its haunting is just visually disturbing. His 1974 work called The Hands Resist Him imagines a somber photo seen as something from a nightmare. Two children standing outside a door, the girl looking like an automaton or a child-sized doll, while in the darkness of the door behind them, seemingly disembodied hands reach out and press on the glass. And now, since Stoneham finished the work in 1972, uh, three people associated with it have died. So, I'm sorry, uh, 1974 was when it was first exhibited, 1972 was when it was finished. Bill sold uh, the painting in 1974, The Hands Resist Him, to actor John Marley, famous for his role as the movie producer in The Godfather. The character most people remember for a scene where he wakes up to find a severed horse's head in his bed. He would soon die during open heart surgery. Charles Feingarten, the man who owned the art gallery that showcased the painting, he dies of natural or of causes not reported in the press. Henry Seldes, an art critic who reviewed the painting when Feingarten showcased it, dies of an apparent suicide. It would be another 26 years before Bill Stoneham hears of this painting again. Unbeknownst to him, it had been abandoned after this showing, after being purchased, uh, behind a California brewery turned into an art space. In 2000, the painting resurfaces as a listing on eBay, and with it a terrifying description. When, re when we received this painting, we thought it was really good art, the eBay seller wrote. At the time, we wondered a little why a seemingly perfectly fine painting would be discarded like that. Today, we don't. One morning, our four-and-a-half-year-old daughter claimed 
that the children in the picture were fighting and coming into the room during the night. The father of this young girl says he told his daughter there was nothing to be afraid of, but then one night when he heard her screaming, he ran in, says he saw the boy from the painting crawling into his daughter's room. <gasps> oh. When he screamed, the boy thankfully disappeared, and then he put the painting in storage. The painting's eBay listing was viewed more than 30,000 times. Some of these viewers even complained to the seller about experiencing supernatural occurrences just for visiting the listing. One reported hearing an exorcist-type voice along with feeling a blast of hot air. Another reported that he became ill while viewing the painting, had to burn white sage to cleanse his house afterward. Another reported blacking out after feeling like something was taking control of him. After all that, the painting was sold to the owner of Perception Art Gallery in Grand Rapids, Michigan, uh, Kim Smith. When Kim acquired it, a flood of emails seemed to try to warn her against keeping it in her home. Her email inbox was filled with prayers, quotes from scriptures, even advice on how to cleanse her residence of this evil thing from a shaman in Mississippi. Today, the painting sits in storage in Smith's gallery. And to this day, Bill Stoneham still receives a handful of messages each week from people terrified by the haunted eBay painting. Current owner, Kim Smith, still seems to be alive and well. Hopefully that continues to be the case. One more. The Anguished Man. The Anguished Man is a painting created by an unknown artist owned by Sean Robinson currently, who lives somewhere in England. According to Robinson, who claims to have inherited the painting from his grandmother, the artist who created the painting allegedly mixed his own blood into the paint Ew. and then died of suicide soon after finishing the work. Several paranormal TV series and investigation teams have studied this mysterious painting. <clears throat> it's been mentioned as one of the top five haunted items in the world, alongside more well-known items such as the Annabelle doll or Robert the doll. Uh, Robinson has been reported. Uh, Robinson has reported, excuse me, that he put the painting in his basement as soon as he got it. And almost immediately afterwards, various members of his family started waking up to the sight of the dark figure of a man standing at the foot of their beds. They also began hearing noises, specifically crying and moaning. They soon set up a camera in the basement to see what was going on with the painting, and the family recorded over three nights between 1 a.m. and 5 a.m. The microphone they used picked up the sounds of crying and moaning each night. Also at approximately 3.25, uh, one night the painting suddenly fell over, and then just above it, they saw a small orb. There were no drafts in the room, nothing that would make the painting tip over by itself. The Robinson family was convinced the painting was haunted or cursed or both. Not long after hanging the painting in the basement, the Robinson family also began to report witnessing a strange mist appear at the top of the basement stairs. So did they get rid of it? No. It allegedly remains hanging in their basement. Why, Sean Robinson says he's committed to holding on to the painting until he figures out exactly what's going on. Is he another Darren? Has the dark man seen at the foot of those beds taken possession of him? Is it possible that this painting and others are all just examples of art doing the very thing they're supposed to do? Fueling our imaginations? Perhaps. Or perhaps when they were being created, something other than paint was placed upon them, inside of them. Something else adhered itself to the canvas and is still stuck there now. Uh, what do you know about the paintings in your home? Could something be stuck inside any of them as well? And what will happen to you if it ever seeps out? Oh no. A panda bear could come out of our paintings. <laughs> True in that one. Or a little girl with a machine gun. I know. Little Red Riding Hood. She's got it. She's out for us. Oh no. <laughs> I'm very anxious now. Or we could have a llama. Oh yeah. We could have some nice things come out. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Or it could be like an angry llama. An angry llama. That would be interesting. <laughs> Just stampedes you. <laughs> that. Uh, yeah. That's all like uh, collectively... Really, really interesting just to think about mm -hmm. that. The uh, 
the last two, definitely Darren's. What was it? Linda? Laura? Laura. Laura. Oh, Laura. And then uh, Sean. Come on. Laura won't get rid of it. Oh, yeah. It was the second one and the fourth one you're thinking of. Yeah. There was the Bill Stoneham one. It was the third one, but yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want Laura to get rid of it. I don't understand why she's holding on to it. She doesn't understand why she's holding on to it. Mm-hmm. Which is all the more reason to get rid of it. I want to show you some pictures of these. I mean, they are, like, uh, very interesting. I bet they're really good. Uh, this first is that Edward Munch's The Scream, created in 1893. So that's a pretty iconic photo. I yep. think uh, most people are going to recognize that. Yeah, but a lot of people always think it's Picasso. Oh, okay. Gets uh, confused with Picasso, yeah. Well, yeah, just that style. They think, like, oh, Starry Night. Oh, well, Starry Night would be Van Gogh. Oh, Van Gogh. Sorry, that's what I meant. Van Gogh. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. It has that same kind of, what is that? Surrealist? Impressionist? Impressionist. Mm-hmm. Boy, I'm on a roll. Sorry. <laughs> I, I'm in my hip right now. I know. I know. Here, I, I'll, I'll, I'll control it. It's you, okay. Yeah. You, it's okay. Um, it's, it's also okay that I'm wrong. I don't true, care. True, true. Uh, this next one, Edward Munch's The Dead Mother. So this is the one we were talking about. This was created in 1900. So that's that one, uh, you know, kind of a rougher style there. You can see her laying behind the little girl, her hands and her ears. Yeah, I've never seen that. Yeah, me either. Yeah, a lesser known work of his. Well, I don't know that I would have known the artist of the first one. I, I know the I know yeah, the, people, the, po- the, the painting, but mm-hmm. I don't know the, I wouldn't have known the artist without being told. Yeah, unless you're really in the art world. I mean, The Scream is Edward Munch's only known work. Yeah. I don't think I don't think any of his works are, you know, have any kind of mass recognition. Mm-hmm. Uh, this next one, now this is that painting of the 1994 James Kidd photo, supposedly done by Laura, this anonymous painter, uh, with a headless man in it. So you can see just standing off, to, as we're looking there, the left oh, of the wagon, yeah. you can see that person standing there with no head. It's really kind of hard to see him, quite frankly. Yeah, you have to it's really... It's not very like, obvious. Yeah, you have to, and you have to magnify it to really look. Yeah, it doesn't jump out at you right away. Mm-mm. Okay. And then this next guy, Bill Stoneham... I actually really like his stuff. His stuff is the most disturbing to me. And it's, uh, I don't know, it does have a strange appeal. This Be- is. Before I look, I think yeah. you were working on this at home and you were like, oh, I think I'd want to get some of this. Yeah. And, is this the one? This is the one. So, not this one, the the one that's, you know, in, in a gallery now. We can't get that one, but there's a new piece that I'll show you after that. Okay. So, this is the Hands Resist Him. This is that 1972 Bill Stoneham painting. And if, Zach, if you can zoom in at all on this one, uh, you can see little hands coming out of the shadows in the background there. Ugh. And again, you know, at first glance from a distance, not really obvious, but when you get closer, it's disturbing. And then you see how the girl has been redone as a doll of some sort. Yeah, and this is based on a photo, though. Yes, b- based on one of his own childhood photos. Okay. That, were there hands in the childhood photo? No. No. Okay. No. He so, added the hands, but the, um, but the you know, the little boy, little girl, that's him and a friend. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, that part, I understood that. Yeah. And then this next one is just, I just kind of got lost into some of Stoneham's works. I mean, he's not, it's not like he has a ton of followers on Instagram or, you know, things like that. Maybe it's just his demographic, but his his work is amazing. Yeah. If you look him up, this is What Remains, and it's a new 2021 piece. And it's just like red. It's just creepy. There's these dangling, disembodied feet hanging above this fireplace. And then there's some kind of red, blood-like red, vaporous fumes coming out of the fireplace it's, it's a fireplace mm-hmm but it's like covered in what look like like overgrown brush perhaps it's just an interesting oh, piece i didn't think it was a fireplace i thought it was like an open pit with a dead body inside oh interesting no that's supposed to be like the mantle around the fireplace yeah huh yeah uh and then this this last one is the one i talked about in the story the anguished man that unknown artist unknown creation date hmm that's looks like a burn victim yeah, yeah, it's just it's really, a that's little, really uncomfortable. Mm, surrealistic. 
uh, I've seen that. I've, I've come across that uh. picture before online. I just didn't know what it was. It looks very primitive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's I don't very, like it. very interesting work. That one, that one freaks me out the most. Yeah, yeah. That's the and that's Ooh, the that's the like most that. famous as far as famous for being haunted. Ah. Yeah. No, thank you. <laughs> so again, you can just go to our Instagram or Facebook if you uh, you know are listening and want to be able to like follow along with uh, what we're talking about. Want to see it or don't? Or don't. Those, those are creepy. Mm-hmm. No thanks. I like a creepy painting. Oh, well, I got you one a creepy drawing. And you still never even framed it. Just hanging out in the studio. Uh, which one is that? It's it's we like get so many things. Well, I got it for you, so it's not like a fan sent it in. Uh, it's like the the woman coming over the top of the bed. Ah, uh, yes, I haven't seen that one in a while. We have so many things here. Hmm. Um, right. uh, now you have to point that out to me after the show. I, I need to see it again. I gave it to you. You opened it, and then you just set it aside. We have. To- <laughs> oh man, sorry. Uh, when did, where did you get it? Um, a fan of the show. I ordered it from her website. Okay, well, we got to get that. I know we have. Well, our house was redone, and this on, on so many things, and we have we ran out of wall space here. I know, I know. <laughs> I was like, oh, Dan would love this. I do, I do. I, I'm sure I did. I, I have to see it again now. <laughs> Sorry, I, it is. A, it is. A feel, I, I feel like such a dick, but we get so many amazing things sent constantly. Like week after, I I do sometimes lose track of uh, what what amazing things we've we've received. I know oh. I have a, a thing from Logan to get from a while back that I also need to hang. So many things. So many things. Uh, are you ready to move on from supposedly oh. haunted paintings? Now it's stuck in my head. Now I wish I could just stop the show and go out and find it just to get that uh, image. But I'll I'll, oh, I'll check it out after the show. You'll, you'll march forward. Is the thing from uh, Logan the striper thing? I don't know. I, I don't know what you're talking well, about you there said, either. You said Logan gave you something, but I don't know what the striper thing is. Isn't that the the from Time Suck, like the band uh, to Hell? No, there's a creepy creepy image oh, from a previous oh, I episode. I haven't seen that. You, he- you have, but you forgot about it. I, I, I've shown it to you. Oh, that Logan gave you? Mm-hmm. Oh. Well, then look at us. One <laughs> so, for one. Again, again, so many things. So many things. Uh, you ready to move on and uh, move on to Mysterious Balls of Light? Sure. <laughs> That's a funny way to say it. Yeah, let's do it. We head to North Carolina's Brown Mountain right after our sponsor break. Summer is just around the corner. Who's excited? I know I am. With the warmer, sunnier days calling your name, the last place you're going to want to be is in your kitchen, cooking, and meal prepping. Make your life easier with Factors No Prep, No Mess Meals. Factors Never Frozen, Always Fresh Meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. Think of all the extra time you will get outside in the summer sun when you aren't wasting hours in the kitchen. I think I speak for everyone when I say that the summer is the busiest time of the year. We are all trying to cram in as many things as possible, from concerts to vacations and everything in between. With Kyler home from college and Monroe on her break too, I want to spend as much time as possible with them. And while I truly love to cook, the summer is the one time of year that I'm the least interested in doing that for three meals a day. So I lean on Factor to help keep me healthy and in step with my diet. I'm obsessed with the honey yogurt pancakes for breakfast, the pork El Pastor for lunch, and the cilantro lime barramundi for dinner. So easy and saves me so much time. Head to factormeals.com slash scared to death 50 and use code scared to death 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code scared to death 50 at factormeals.com slash scared to death 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. 
then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Save big money on everything. Now at Menards. Make quick work of your outdoor cleaning project with Master Force Outdoor and Landscaping Tools. The 80-volt cordless trimmer is powerful, efficient, and hassle-free. So you spend less time working on your yard and more time enjoying the results. On sale now through May 19th. Check out our wide selection of Master Force tools and see the rest of our deals on Menards.com. Save big money at Thanks for sticking around, creeps and peepers. We are back and off to Brown Mountain. A little bit of setup. Uh, Again, not much on this one. The Brown Mountain lights are a set of ghost lights seen by a few people each year on Brown Mountain, North Carolina. Ghost lights, also called spook lights. Spook? S-P-O-O-K? Yeah, that's the way the source uh, listed. I hadn't heard that um, phrasing before. Me either. Or atmospheric ghost lights are lights or fiery spheres that appear without any known natural identifiable causes. So an orb, an orb of light, yeah? Not necessarily. Okay. I don't know. I, I, I don't know any more than the information I'm giving you. I yeah. will say on this story. I'm just trying to picture like what it could be. Yeah, just uh, well, that's kind of part of it. Is like people who oh. witness it have a hard time describing exactly what it is. It's okay. just like a, it's just like a light in the distance. Well, not even that. It, it's it's fucking weird. I don't okay. know how to like explain okay. it. But uh, but I'll I'll go through a lot of sightings here. Okay. Uh, the earliest published references to these ghost lights go back to 1913. Uh, with the mysteries surrounding the lights, might be a lot older than that. Uh, the origin of the lights has been debated. Some can provide a, a whole list of scientific explanations. Others cite ghostly causes. Some say the UFOs are the source of these mysterious lights. There have been many false claims and sightings over the years, but also over the past century, there have been a few truly unexplainable and mysterious incidents involving these lights. To this day, the Brown Mountain Lights remain one of North Carolina's biggest mysteries. They've been covered numerous times by both the news and pop culture the lights were even featured on an episode of X-Files, which uh, examined all different theories about what they could be. Unless major advancements are made in science or paranormal investigations, we may never really know what these lights truly are. Time now for the tale of Brown Mountain's mysterious lights. In 1913, the first official reports of the lights were published in a local paper. This was around the same time that electricity became widespread in the area around Linville, North Carolina. So is that all it was? People seeing light bulbs in the distance for the first first time? Doesn't seem so. Others have written about them, just not in the paper, for almost a century and a half already. Surveyors noted as early as 1770 some kind of luminous vapor in the area. And in 1771, some German scientists reported lights they described as nitrous vapors. On September 24th, 1913, the Charlotte Daily Observer published an article titled Mysterious Lights Seen Just Above the Horizon Every Night. They report, uh, the report detailed red lights that appeared at 7.30 and 10 p.m. without fail every night. No one figured out what they were. In different reports from 1913 and since, uh, the lights have appeared as w- uh, white, red, yellow, orange, blue, as large balls uh, of fire or small candle lights. It's just all different kinds of lights uh, floating near the ground, sometimes floating way above the ground. It's all over the map. Uh, the lights have been seen from high above. Um, They've been seen just, you know, straight out in the distance. After the Charlotte Observer published their initial article, North Carolina Congressman E.Y. Webb requested that the U.S. Geological Survey come investigate the lights to calm local residents' nerves. Following this request, a U.S. Geological Survey employee, D.B. Sterrett, was dispatched to North Carolina. 
On his first night, he determined that the headlights of local trains were visible from his hotel. Uh, Southern Railways had recently upgraded their headlamps to 600,000 candle power systems in 1909, which may have produced the floating lights people reported that year. Mm. And in the years, you know, following. Uh, Linville residents accepted that the phenomenon was probably nothing more than train headlights until July of 1916. Flooding paused the train service to the mountain for several weeks. Yet guests at Lovin's Hotel, they kept seeing the same lights every night. When skeptics contended that the lights must have been cars or campfires, locals were not sold. The sightings occurred in areas where there were no roads and where people were, it was highly unlikely that they were camping there. Mm -hmm. Now two senators requested that the U.S. Geological Survey send someone out again. 1922, the USGS sends George R. Mansfield, a Georgia scientist, to investigate these lights further. He uses a map and a telescope to view the lights with the Lovin family, since her hotel seemed to have the best lookout spot in the area and was where the majority of reported sightings occurred. He wrote that the lights seemed to move and flare in brightness. The lights were stationary throughout the night, as shown by repeated azimuth readings. However, when he plotted the approximate locations of the lights on a map, they matched the curve in the railway track, and the lights corresponded to the train schedule. So again, people think it's trains. Mansfield proved the lights were just trains, possibly brush fires, easing the public's concern about ghost lights, even though they'd been witnessed when no trains had been running previously. Uh, for an alternative explanation, he proposed will-o'-wisps, or will-o'-the-wisps, an atmospheric ghost light seen by travelers at night, especially over bogs, swamps, or marshes, produced by uh, organic decay, described as bioluminescence produced by organic decay, like gases going up into the air that have some kind of luminosity to them. I was not familiar with this phenomenon before, but there is a natural phenomenon where you can see almost like a... Like a firefly or like, you know, okay. like bugs. It's some kind of decay phenomenon. Despite these findings, the Lovin family insisted that they still saw true brown mountain lights that were not this bioluminescence. In the following years, local authors wrote more tales about the brown mountain lights. A 1936 article claimed the lights were the spirits of a woman and her baby once murdered on the mountain. Mm. 1938, the Asheville Citizen published an article claiming the lights had been witnessed for centuries before electricity, trains, cars, or any such thing. The story they published claimed that centuries earlier, a great battle was fought between the Cherokee and the Catawba peoples near Brown Mountain, and supposedly, according to local tribal legends, the lights were the spirits of maidens who used torches to search for their dead husbands following the battle. In the 1950s, when UFO fascination swept the nation, Ralph Lale threw Brown Mountain into extraterrestrial lore. He self-published a novel about a trip he claimed to have taken with aliens. He claimed that in 1965, they kidnapped him on Brown Mountain and took him to their planet. Additional Brown Mountain sightings have been reported since June of 67. In 1961, I guess backing up a, a little bit here. Um, I'm sorry. I don't know why I put uh, 1967 there. <laughs> that might have been a, a previous example that I chose not to include there. So forget <laughs> 1967. We're going to back up from 1965 to 1961 when Josiah Lafayette, known as Fate, Fate Wiseman, became the owner of uh, Wiseman's View. It may be pronounced locally as Wisman, but it's spelled Wiseman, a property uh, where many have claimed to encounter the lights. In 1961, a relative, Scotty Wiseman, wrote a very popular in its day song about the lights called Brown Mountain Lights. Their ancestor, Josiah, made the oldest confirmed report of the Brown Mountain Lights in 1894. He was camping with his father, Josiah, when he saw a flash of light in the distance. The flash appeared at the same place and with a half hour of the same time every night. 1915, kind of bouncing around with dates now, Brown Mountain became part of the Pisgah National Forest. Visitors uh, began to come to see the lights from the Blue Ridge Parkway Overlook. 
The best time to see them historically has been in the early evening when there's a dramatic temperature change and before or after a storm. Daniel Catan, director of observatories for Appalachian State, claims that people see the lights around dramatic temperature changes because they're seeing ball lightning. So ball lightning, another possible explanation, a strange documented phenomenon, one that scientists don't know how to explain. Ball lightning appears for a few seconds at a time. It can look like a sphere, like a sphere, excuse me, floating through the air. Natural, but no one knows what causes it. Other explanations over the years have included moon dogs, moonlight shining on a haze, St. Elmo's fire, electrical discharges from sharp objects during a thunderstorm. Despite all these rational theories, many still insist that not all the sightings can be explained by science. Local historian Mike Fish, oh, his, I have no idea how to say his last name. <laughs> it's like um, F I S C H E S S E R. Fisher? Fish, Fisher. It's like, a, I don't know, it's, I don't know how the hell you say that. Uh, and it wasn't anywhere online in a, in a, in a like actual video or something or audio form. Fisher. So I'll say, I'll say, I'm just going to call him Mike. <laughs> Mike F. Mike F. And Daniel Catan did their best to get to the bottom of what these lights may be several years ago, interviewing roughly 40 people about their experiences with the lights. And while, they're, while they were able to find rational reasons for a lot of the sightings, they found three individuals whose stories could not be explained by science. The first, told by someone who wanted to remain anonymous, was two gentlemen who are reliable witnesses from Morganton. And it's not Morgantown. Morganton saw a bright light as bright as an ATV headlight coming down. All of a sudden, it crossed the Linville River toward the Weissman's View Overlook. Second unexplained encounter came from 1982 when Morganton resident Tommy Hunter claimed to have actually touched one of the lights at the Overlook. Said he looked over the edge, saw uh, what he thought was a you know ball lightning hovering in front of him. I don't know why he would do this, but reached out, touched it, felt like he stuck his finger in the light sockets, and he was not alone. Six eyewitnesses apparently saw him do this. Ball, okay. Ball lightning doesn't seem likely uh, for the lightning ball to A, hover that low in the air, B, hover for so long in one place that he would have time to reach out and touch it. And C, not hurt him more seriously if he did touch it. Right. Uh, the third unexplained encounter they discovered, uh, the most famous, on October 15th, 2001, Charles Broswell captured a now famed image of the Brown Mountain Lights. The path the light traveled made a sharp light, uh, a shape like a question mark because of the time lapse camera. I'll show this picture in a little bit here. He claims to have seen a round light. Took him years of work, but he finally captured the lights on that fateful night. Hmm. And there have been other strange, hard-to-explain sightings not covered by Mike F. and Catan's interviews. Uh, recently, some loggers who've worked in the area have claimed to have had close encounters with the lights themselves. They've described them as glowing, floating spheres, appearing too close to the ground, moving in ways that seem too deliberate to be ball lightning. Some have claimed the lights have followed them through the woods, that they appear sentient. Paranormal investigator Joshua Warren once visited Brown Mountain on a camping trip as a boy and had an experience that changed his life and put him on the path of being uh, becoming a paranormal investigator. He said he saw balls of red light twinkling over him, then watched as the lights climbed through the trees and ascended into the sky. He's since spent years researching possible scientific explanations for what he saw, and he can't find any answers. Burke County Travel and Tourism Director Ed Phillips had yet another unexplainable encounter with these lights. One night, he brought a journalist with him to the mountain. The pair sat on lawn chairs for 45 minutes, suddenly saw a light appear in front of them at eye level, hovered in the air, unmoving for several moments, and then they both said they saw uh, the same thing at the same time and then just shot out and just disappeared. Hmm. Ed Phillips held two symposia in 2012 where various experts discussed their theories about the lights and saw, and some Forest Service officers shared some of their previously publicly untold stories. 
Retired U.S. Forest Service officers Les Burrell and C.W. Smith later spoke about their encounters as part of a TV special on the Brown Mountain Lights, stories they originally shared at this uh, these symposia. C.W. said, I wasn't really interested that much in the Brown Mountain Lights. We were there responding to a call. I never really looked for the Brown Mountain Lights, and all of a sudden, Les and I, uh, at approximately the same time, saw a light. I said, you see that light over there? He said, yes. Less, I saw an actual light come up about 30 minutes off the outcropping, and it just illuminated right there. CW, a few seconds later, there was another one, and he said, that can't be anybody. Then Les said, and it looked like an indistinct candle, and then it just diminished all the way down and went out. Then CW says, it just kind of catches you by surprise, and you just think, well, I'm not going to say anything about it, because Les is going to think I'm a nut. (laughs) Fair. Throughout his long career, Les claims he saw the lights with several other officers. In one incident, the lights passed directly over his car. Uh, he thought they were a shooting star or a meteor shower, but then realized the lights weren't far above him. They were close, and they remained very close to his car for an extended period of time. And just two more sightings. There's so many. Uh, in July 2016, researcher Daniel Catan's cameras captured the lights for the first time after five years of trying, he said. He told local news outlets, this is the first time we've had dual detection both cameras Mm. uh it was something out there it came on went back off virtually instantly four times over several minutes we've eliminated all the things that are likely man-made natural sources so we're left with no real explanation other than it's whatever the lights may actually be second time he encountered the lights happened when daniel was returning from Asheville for a project an object appeared before him brighter than venus and remained still for a long period of time possibly up to 20 minutes Daniel Catan still doesn't fully understand what true brown mountain lights are. He says he's determined to get to the bottom of it, supernatural or not. While most of the encounters can be explained by naturally occurring scientific phenomena, some still cannot be explained. So what are they? Until they are solved, the legend of the brown mountain lights will remain a mystery that haunts upstate North Carolina. How weird. Does one after mm-hmm. another, after another, after another. I'm going to have you cover for me, but I have to drink a bunch of water. <laughs> I know. You're... <clears throat> um, yeah, it's just so interesting that uh, so many people would see the same thing over and over and over and that no one's gotten to the bottom of it, which leads right. me to believe that it is some sort of supernatural something because if there was an actual explanation for it by this, at this point, we would have it. Don't you y- think? Yeah, I, it is just weird. This was a hard story to kind of put into a good narration because there's not like – there is no interesting narration in this story. It's just a series. There's just so many little like – I don't know what this light was. Mm-hmm. I think this light followed me. And then it's like – and the pictures are kind of all over the map. It just – I can't think of like coming across a similar story like that where like the – the accounts of the lights aren't consistent. Sometimes they move. Sometimes they don't move. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're small. Sometimes they're big. Sometimes they're red. Sometimes they're blue. It's just fu- it's just weird. I wonder if it's like an alien hotspot. Right. I mean, if I had to pick like one UFO, thing, that seems like the most probable. Yeah. I out, guess. Of, out of out of possible paranormal explanations, it seems like U- UFO is something. I don't know. It's something. just It's so weird. It's just it's just a unique phenomenon out there. I thought the the train. I was like, oh yeah, of course it's a train. Mm-hmm. Of course it's a train. But then. But then supposedly when the train wasn't running for a few weeks, you know, they, they still saw him. And I guess aliens, maybe that would make sense. Like maybe they'd be following. I was trying to apply it. Right. Mm-hmm. Or I'm like, OK, well, let's see if I'm from another planet. I'm trying to learn <laughs> what the people on this planet do. And I guess it would make sense that they would zoom down and then, oh, look at those train tracks. <laughs> like, I right. don't know. Like, I don't know. Because it was going in that direction. I don't know. It's weird. I'll show, I'll show you a few pictures. OK. And I know that wasn't the scariest story, but it's just, um. Yeah, just to kind of show what I, – I, I like stories sometimes that are about 
possibilities of other things that might be out there and just those. Well, I, th- I think it's introducing a different concept, mm-hmm. right? Because it's like no one no one says it is. Yeah. or is it. To me, I don't hear anybody saying, oh, I definitely think it's this. It just sounds like everyone keeps going, I don't know. Well, yeah, and some of them, people do throw out explanations. They're like, uh, could be these bioluminescence, you know, organic compounds decaying, which could describe like a, some kind of light. But you wouldn't necessarily, but you wouldn't see that kind of light far off in the distance that, as a clear shape? Right. I don't know. I don't know. I, I took that also to sound like it would be more over, when you were saying something about decay, mm-hmm. Is that I'm like, well, then that would imply that there was something dead in that area. Yeah. but And, 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 and it, it doesn't sound like anybody's like digging around looking to see like, okay, are there... Like animals or something. Animal carcasses or, or trees. Oh, and I what, guess trees. Yeah, I didn't think about that. I, mean, I was thinking of like a, a mammal. Oh, Yeah. And, and what's weird about that is, you know, it's like, okay, well, if that's happening there, it's, it, no one's talked about, like, more things dying in this area than dying mm-hmm. in any other part of the forest. So if there's uh, lots of light sightings because of that phenomena there, it would uh, make sense to me that there would be similar light sightings in literally all the forests of the world. Well, that's what I was just thinking. I was going to say, I mean, people hunt in this area yeah. so regularly. I'm like, oh, we should be lit up like a Christmas tree. Right, right. Right? Because, I mean, there's really yeah. good hunting in northern Idaho. So, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. 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 None of it seems to really make sense. A uh, couple pictures. The first is, uh, yeah, brown mountain lights and uh, just like like a kind of a popular photo of just, you know, some of those obviously are stars above. Yeah, up top. Some of yeah. those could be homes in the distance. But mm-hmm. people to say that, uh, you know, some of those are a little low. bit lower than the horizon are not explained by houses. Uh, this next Interesting. Pic- yeah. This next picture is ball lightning. So just an example of what ball lightning is, oh. as, as opposed to just a crisp lightning strike. It's just right. that, um, I, I guess sometimes people say it'll just kind of like stay lit up like that. That's so pretty. It kind of yeah, looks like a, like a uh, like a planet, if mm-hmm. you, right? Or you like, like Saturn. the heavens opening up. Yeah, 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 exactly. And then something coming down. That's cool. It, oh, you reminds me of those. Do you remember those um, electricity balls? Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's they put what your it hands reminds on. me of. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And then this last one is that Charles brought... Braswell's famous Brown Mountain Lights photo. This is that one of like the question mark shape. Yeah. The time-lapse time photo where he said this little thing was kind of like moving through the air and just moving in, you know, unique ways. It looks serpent-like with a mm-hmm. serpent head. So that wouldn't be a falling, you know, like falling star. It wouldn't be a meteor or meteorite no. because it wouldn't like turn back around like that. I know that that particular mm-hmm. swoop. So who knows? It's a weird one. Um, I was excited when you said Catawba. Yeah? Because when... Well, if you grow up in Cleveland, if you live in Cleveland, you go to Catawba. It's What's like, Catawba? Well, Catawba's by Putin Bay, and it's just like uh, it's just a place you go to party, basically. It's, an, it's <laughs> just an, an outdoorsy place. Uh, yeah. Like, how would I explain it? Is it I, a town or a campsite? Well, here's the problem. I haven't been to Sandusky out, so it's in Sandusky, and I haven't been there. And what's Sandusky? Is that a town? Yeah. Okay. It's like where Cedar Point is. Okay. Where I took Monroe. Right. The it's it's like park, it's like yeah. Cleveland, Sandusky, Cincinnati. Okay, okay. Sandusky is a city. Um, but I haven't been to Catawba since I was like sixteen or seventeen. And the last time I was there was the first time I ever drank Jägermeister <laughs> and it did not go well. Uh-huh. Uh I actually went with my old neighbors, Jim and Bridget. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. uh-huh. And uh her family had like a cabin up there. So now I'm trying to remember, like, oh yeah, like I think it would kind of be campgrounds but not tent camping maybe it was like maybe there were rvs and then also like stationary um you know what mobile home parks were but they're yes. stationary like they're just like the long houses 
I don't know what you're trying to say. You don't um, know. Do you not know what I'm talking about? <clears throat> you're talking about campers. I understand what like a camper oh, right. is. I, I said, okay, so sometimes at a campground, yeah. you'd pull in and there's kind of like two parts to it. There's the part where people come and go. There, uh, If you're traveling in your RV... Yeah. Okay. So that's like one side of the park. Okay. Okay. And then and <laughs> I, I I don't I didn't grow up around these same kind of campgrounds, so that might be part of it. So I'm oh, just yeah. a little confused. Yeah, you're just what, looking at me like I'm talking about something that doesn't exist. I yeah I, I can't understand. Okay. Well, let me just because I'm you just want explaining me to. it to you. Yeah. I don't. I'm just telling you what it is. Yeah, I'm yeah, not I'm asking I'm you trying. if it's a thing. I'm telling you it is a thing. I know. I'm listening. Okay. So that's one side of it. <laughs> and so then the other side of it is like um, if you sort of think about like a um a, a prefabbed home. Yes. But they're. So, and then they're like on the other side, but they're not like high up. They're not built on basements. They're just kind of thrown down on a slab. Huh, okay. So it's it would just be like, um, it's very much like they have these in Florida where just people spend some time there. It's not their forever home. So Catawba, Put-in-Bay, it's just hmm. like this like little like party island yeah. thing. And you would just go up there. And the point of it is to go up there and just drink and be fucked up all summer long. That's what people would do. Oh, so you just rent one of those little things for the summer? Yeah, you could, or, yeah, I'm sure you could own one as well. Oh, okay. And so I think yeah, like yeah, yeah. some people would, uh, like I said, I mean, I'm... <laughs> I'm almost, well, at this point, I'll be uh, 38, so it's yeah. like, this is 20 years ago plus right, that right. I am and very drunk, but <laughs> I, I should ask my brother, because he would know more about it, but anybody who's from Ohio, like, in the Cleveland area yeah. would know, be like, oh, yeah, Catawba, like, huh. that's where you go, a lot of bachelor parties happen out there. Funny, or, that's like, the party place. Yeah, you would, you could get jet skis, you'd go out on the lake, like, yeah. there's just, but it's all around drinking. Okay. Every last insta- instance of it. So I got excited when you said that. Catawba's like, the place to drink. Catawba and Putin Bay. Yep. Pretty silly. Pretty <laughs> silly. Okay. Well, do you want to do my side? I do. I want to okay. hear, hear this longer, uh, lifelong haunting story. I know. It's so interesting. I got a new worry stone. I was in Missoula. What's a worry my, stone? Well, like I have these are palm stones is sometimes what they call oh, okay. them. So it's a, a, a crystal. They can be of many you know, sorts, whatever they could be, rose quartz, amethyst, mm-hmm. this one's red jasper, but they have a divot in the yeah. middle, and it's like... Oh, yeah, I've seen those other ones of yours. Uh, mm-hmm. Soothing. Yes. And also, I mean, red jasper is, well, it's really good. It taps into your root chakra, which is like <laughs> what makes you feel... Uh, oh, dear. Makes you feel grounded. You, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. It's the foundation for life. Okay. Red jasper can, like... Give you some sense of protection. It can help, like, tap into your dreams. Um, it can help with your sexual vibrancy. Wow. Who knew that rock could do so much? It's not a rock. Isn't it? It's a crystal. Isn't that one of the same? Crystals are aren't crystal sounds, type, of, type cr- of rocks? Crystal sounds nicer. It does sound nicer. Yeah. That's why I like it. <laughs> do you want to borrow it? No. Ooh. <laughs> Eek. Uh, what's your squishy this week? Uh, you gave me the... Um, oh, yeah. The... What, the black Layla. I, I, it's black Layla. I can't remember what like if we had a name for it. I don't think so. Mm. But it's just a, a very cool looking little variation on that squishy. I know it's so cute. I love it mm, with the white stitching and the white eyes and little, yep, and then the the black kind of body, bright red heart. Mm-hmm. Is it a cute? One? Does it smell? No, I don't think so. Oh good. Oh yes, it does. Oh, it, does. it does have it does have a scent. A All good right. one. Yeah. Same same as uh, uh, Layla OG. Uh, I will tentative. I will hesitantly say yes. Oh man, he doesn't even know what she smells like anymore. <laughs> Um, so yeah, we haven't, I, every once in a while we'll do like just one big long story on my side, mm-hmm. um, because it's so interesting and yeah. it's kind of fun to just like go down, like, da- go down the rabbit hole with this person. And, uh, John, who sent in this story, 
this story is corroborated in, in different places at different times in his life, which I found really fascinating that hmm. like, oh, okay. He it wasn't like, oh, he was just a kid. He was just having nightmares or like, oh, it was at a time in his life when he was just like this. It's like, no, other people around him saw it too. Okay. That's, a, yeah, that always um, adds to the credibility of these stories. Yeah, it also made me anxious because it's like, I would think that if I... In, if in our house there was something that felt malevolent and we decided to leave and right. then we went somewhere else because we decided it was the house because yeah. generally speaking you're not going to think it's you you're right. going to think right. it's the place that you're at and then if you left and you went somewhere else and maybe you're living there for like a year and it's like ah everything's fine and then it comes back yeah that's always uh, the worst you're like oh shit it is me <laughs> right the attachments yeah you feel like you can't get away from it oh my god i feel like i would end up moving a few times before i would really believe it was me hmm yeah, I, th I think if I went to the next place, I'm like, well, okay, if we're experiencing the same thing in another place, not the, you know, outside of just the first place, it's us. Yeah. What if it's, what if something's happening, but it's diff a different kind of thing that's happening? Would you still think it's you or would you think it's the place? I guess you just think of like really bad luck. Like, mm. dang it, you got two places. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I would really not want it to be me. So I think I would just keep yeah, yeah. moving and searching. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Greetings to the hosts of my brand new favorite podcast. Oh, thank you. I know. So nice. I thought it was really great that you guys take in stories from people who have had their own strange occurrences. This really inspired me to share some of my own. I'm not sure if it'll turn out to be a great story in the usual sense, having a beginning, middle and end, because these events have been happening consistently and spread out over more than a decade. Wow. Well, anyways, here we go. About uh, when I was about 15 years old, my brother, mother, and I moved in with my grandparents. My uncle and his two children were also living there. In total, there were eight of us living in a small, three-bedroom, one-bath, ranch-style home. My grandparents had their own room. My uncle and his, had his own. My brother, cousin Alex, and I shared one small bedroom, and my mother and cousin Erica had beds in the basement. Needless to say, it was pretty tight living conditions. My brother and cousin shared bunk beds, and I slept on a trundle mattress, which we could slide beneath the bunk beds during the day. It was at this house that I became tormented by some kind of entity. It started off slow, as these things usually do. Generally, it was just a sense of someone being with you, even if there was no one else in the room. I had, to set, up, I had set up my Xbox in the basement and would spend hours down there playing my favorite game at the time, Halo 2. <laughs> One day, while I was mindlessly playing, I felt three very firm taps on my shoulder. Thinking that maybe my brother had come down while I was zoned out into the game, I turned around and said, yeah, except no one was there. I looked mm -hmm. around frantically to see if truly anyone was down there with me, but I couldn't see anyone. I very calmly shut my game down and sprinted up the stairs. Things gradually began to progress, and I started having vivid and terrible nightmares. Sometimes I would wake up at night and sense that someone was pacing around in our small bedroom, and on more than one occasion, I would see the silhouette of someone at the foot of my bed. I was afraid of sounding crazy, but the fear got to a point where I felt as though I had to mention it to my family. One night at dinner, I did just that. Very casually, I asked if anyone had, experience, had been experiencing anything lately. My grandmother looked at me and said, Oh, have you been seeing it? I told her what I had been seeing and feeling, and she told me that ever since we had moved in, she would occasionally see a shadowy silhouette watching her while she did laundry in the basement. It was almost always out of the corner of her vision, but she had seen it enough times and in enough locations down there to suspect that it wasn't just a trick of the light. 
My uncle chimed in that he had been hearing someone walking through the house in the middle of the night. Hearing this from them both terrified me and put me at ease all at the same time. On the one hand, I wasn't crazy. Other people were experiencing similar things as me. But then on the other hand, this meant that there really was something in the house and I seemed to be its favorite. The entity only became more aggressive from there. Sometimes I would be walking through the kitchen and I would feel this incredible force rush up behind me and I would visibly flinch, expecting to be tackled to the ground or attacked in some way. The more my fear grew, the more oppressive it became. One night, I went into the bathroom to take a shower, and as I began to undress, I heard the high-pitched sound of a woman laughing. I thought maybe my cousin was playing a trick on me, and then suddenly, the shower curtain was forcefully thrown aside, revealing no one in the shower. I grabbed my things and uh, I grabbed I grabbed my things to get dressed and ran from the bathroom. My brother, mother, and I eventually moved out of my grandparents' house and into our own apartment. I was so incredibly relieved to be leaving there. I loved my grandparents, and I intended to keep going back to visit them, but knowing I was free to leave there whenever I chose felt so comforting. After about a month or two of being in our new home, I decided to ask my grandparents how things had been going with the entity since we had left. Was anyone else seeing or feeling it? My grandmother looked uncomfortable, but said that no, not a single thing had happened since we left. Hmm. Whatever it was has shown up when we moved in and left again when we left. This truly terrified me. If it wasn't attached to the house, was it attached to one of us? I had always been its favorite after all. Shortly after this talk, I had another experience. I'm embarrassed to admit, but I'm a terrible procrastinator. And even though we'd been in our new place for a few months, my room was still a mess. Several items were strewn across the floor from where I would begin unpacking a box and then get bored or distracted with something else, leaving the items behind. One night, I awoke to the sound of something moving around in my room. There was a streetlight almost directly next to my window, and I kept the shades open at night to illuminate my room. I didn't care how bright it got. I was not comfortable with the darkness. With this light beaming through my window, I could clearly see that there was no one in my room. The sounds still continued, however. I could hear the items on my floor being shuffled as if someone were walking through my room and the sounds were getting closer. Whatever it was, was walking towards my bed. I stared wide-eyed, trying to get a sense of what was happening when the noises stopped and, and the right at the foot of my bed, suddenly the corner sagged down as if someone had sat on it. I could barely breathe. I was in such horror. I never took my eyes off the corner of that bed as I slowly pulled my feet in closer to me and wedged myself into the corner as tight as I could. The corner of the bed stayed sagged down, but even with my fright, sleep eventually won out. I woke up that morning still wedged into the corner and immediately looked over at the corner of my bed where something had been sitting. It was no longer sagging down. Fast forward several years. I'm dating this woman and we were staying at her parents' house for a little bit. They have a beautiful finished basement with a pull-out couch where we slept at night. One night, after we'd gone to bed, I abruptly awoke. I wasn't in bed all snuggled up under fluffy blankets, but instead, I was standing on the side of the bed. I was incredibly confused and began looking around the basement, trying to figure out why I would have gotten out of bed. Nothing seemed to be out of place, so I turned to go back into bed and suddenly froze. There was someone in my spot. It wasn't what? just anyone, though. It was me. I was standing next to the bed, looking down at myself, sleeping. Ugh. As my mind struggled to comprehend what the hell was happening, I saw movement on the other side of the pull-out couch. 
Peering through the dimly lit darkness, I realized there was a man crouching down and attempting to hide behind the couch. Ice raced through my veins and every hair on my body stood up. Suddenly, I was awake and in bed, throwing the blankets off of me so I could get up and defend us from that strange man that I had seen. It was still dimly lit, but I could see that no one was there. I still ran over and flicked on all of the lights just to double check that we were truly alone down there. This obviously panicked my girlfriend, but I couldn't really explain what had just happened, and I didn't want to freak her out any more than she already was. I told her that I had just had a bad dream, everything was fine, I turned the lights off, and we went back to bed. Several days later, we were still at her parents' house and I was helping them clean around the house. They had collected all of the dirty laundry and had asked if I could carry the enormous basket of clothes downstairs. More than happy to oblige, I made my way downstairs. As I was nearing the bottom step, I saw movement out of the corner of my eye and instinctively turned in that direction. Floating there, about chest level, was a ball of blue light. Well, this was new. I stood there for a few seconds just watching it to see what it would do. I noticed that although it appeared to be a ball of light, it wasn't illuminating anything around it. And unlike my other experiences, this didn't feel threatening. It floated there for maybe 10 seconds or so and then slowly collapsed in on itself until it was completely gone. With a nervous chuckle, I placed the laundry basket down on the ground and ran back up the stairs. My girlfriend's parents were incredibly religious and very skeptical of the supernatural, claiming there was no room for it in the Bible. They came downstairs with me determined to debunk my experience, but were unable to find anything that could have generated a floating ball of blue light. We didn't stay at her parents' house for much longer after that, and I returned to my apartment. This was where I was to meet the most aggressive entity to date. As I lie in bed one night, I again woke up abruptly and found myself standing next to my bed. Recognizing that this had happened before, I looked down, and sure enough, I could see myself sleeping soundly in bed. Previously, when this had happened, I had seen a man crouching behind the couch in my girlfriend's parents' house. So with that in mind, I was a little on edge as to what I might see this time. I stood there next to my bed and listened as intently as I could as I scanned the room. Again, I'm embarrassed to admit this, but I was still incredibly fearful of the dark, and at this time, I would use the screensaver on my laptop to illuminate my room at night. It wasn't exceptionally bright, but bright enough for me mm -hmm. to see. I noticed that all of the dark patches within my room, the corner at the far end, appeared to be abysmally dark. It was truly the complete absence of light, even in a room that was moderately lit. I kept staring into it, hoping to peer through it and put my mind at ease, when suddenly, a face emerged from the darkness. Oh my god. It was a sickly, pale color with a large, bulging forehead, absolutely no nose, and it was smiling at me. I couldn't move as I was transfixed by this terrifying face peering at me from the darkness. His smile widened and I knew that he saw me and knew that I could see him. He leaned forward a little bit and whispered, Psst, hey. I jolted awake in bed and looked fearfully around for the frightening face or the inky blackness that he had emerged from. I spent several nights with the lights on after that. Just like the experience at my grandparents' house, things began to escalate quickly. It suddenly didn't matter if they kept the lights on or not. I could feel whatever it was pacing from the foot of my bed to the side of my bed. Its presence was so overpowering, I could tell exactly where it was as it moved about. Many times, I would make up in the middle of the night, and again, I would hear something whisper from that same corner, Psst! Hey! My fear continued to grow, and I worried that maybe, just maybe, I was actually going crazy. I didn't mention any of this to my girlfriend as she's very frightened very easily. 
One night she was over, and although we had planned on we hadn't planned on her spending the night, we stayed up too late watching movies and didn't trust her to drive home safely. Out of habit, I have always put my bed in the corner of a room. I've always wanted at least one side that I knew was safe and could put my back to without worrying what might be on the other side. When she stayed over that night, I let her have the side closest to the wall, hoping to shield her in case the entity made any moves. We had just settled into bed when I heard that same whisper from the corner. I chose not to acknowledge it or even ask my girlfriend if she heard it. I really didn't want to scare her. Suddenly, I could feel the presence at the side of the bed again as it began to pace back and forth. I continued trying to ignore it, but for some reason this night, it didn't want to be ignored. I felt someone poking me in the leg and grabbing my feet. I absolutely chose not to respond in any way. I could even feel it smiling at me as it knew it was scaring me and somehow enjoying it. I don't know how, but I eventually fell asleep. The next morning, we woke up early, even though I hadn't slept particularly well. We made breakfast and coffee and sat down to eat. My girlfriend looked like she had something on her mind, and so I asked if she was okay. She looked a little embarrassed and said, Okay, I was probably dreaming, and I don't want to freak you out, but did you hear a loud whisper in the room last night? All of the hairs in my body stood up, and as calmly as possible, I asked her to describe what she heard. I'm not entirely sure. I was just about to fall asleep, and I swear I heard someone say, Psst, (laughs) hey, or something like that. She said, I could have cried right there, just like at my grandparents' house, having someone else that had experienced what I had been hearing made me feel like I wasn't crazy after all. I felt validated. I told her about everything I had been seeing and hearing and feeling, even describing the sensations of being poked and and grabbed that previous night. She didn't have much to say, which isn't surprising. I mean, what do you say to that? Don't take this the wrong way, she did say, but I'm probably not going to stay over here for a while. I didn't blame her. She was scared and so was I. Unlike me, she had the option of leaving while I was stuck there. Things be- things came to a head there soon after. I was in my room folding clothes and putting them away when the pressure in the room became overwhelming and intense. It was there for me, I could feel it. I continued to go about my routine even as I felt it standing next to me. It was so close to me, I could feel it just inches away moving with me as I moved, its face inches from the side of my face. The pressure was tremendous, and I know it was smiling again. I don't know how I could feel it smiling, but I knew it was. I couldn't take it anymore. I jumped on my bed and huddled into the corner. It began to pace up and down the side of my bed quickly and impatiently. Something in my brain finally snapped at that point, and instead of fear, all I felt was rage. This was my home. I was entitled to feel safe here. The thing, whatever it was, was the intruder. I intended to kick it out. Stop it. I growled at it. Nothing happened, and it continued to pace. I said, stop! This time, it stopped pacing, although the pressure in the room was still bearing down on me. This is my home, and you have no right to be here. I got up off the bed and said, get the fuck out! (laughs) The pressure in the room suddenly started to lift, and I continued to enforce my will. Get out! I shouted one last time, and just like that, The pressure was gone. I couldn't sense it anywhere in the room or a feeling of foreboding that I had felt from the beginning. Whatever had been plaguing me at that apartment never came back again. This was the last major incident I'd had. It's been five or six years now, and I've moved just as many times. I'm clear across the country now, far, far away from all of those frightening memories. In all of the places I've lived since, there have always been some kind of activities, but generally the passive kind. Something will somehow tip over or move out of the blue on its own. 
The sense that I'm not quite alone will occasionally happen, but never in an oppressive way. It's much more peaceful now, but I do worry about the next time things begin to escalate. Sincerely yours, John. Wow. That is a crazy tale. <laughs> Isn't it though? <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> yeah, I have a bunch of thoughts. I made a bunch of little notes, but one thing I was thinking there towards the end is how great it would be if just you could just yell at stuff and it would just listen to you and go away. But but you can. Mm, not, I mean, there's been, no, there's been plenty of stories where that doesn't work. Plenty of stories. There's a whole like bunch of exorcisms and everything where they have to get people to come over and all that stuff. And they're yelling like, go away and get out. Right, and but it sometimes stays. it does work. Right. But what I was going to say is it would be nice if every time. Oh, I see. Yeah. 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 That worked. Where just, where was that easy? You know, right, if you're having right. some crazy affliction, you're just like, get out of here. And the thing was just like, all right. I wish you could just put a sign up on your door. Like no demons welcome here. <laughs> right. Right. They're like, oh, dang it. Let's yep. try the neighbor. Like if it was that easy. Yeah. Yeah. That would be nice. He's lucky it worked for him. <laughs> oh yeah. And then just like that crazy thing. I mean, it was like corroborated, but that just like the weird whisper. I know. Just that. Psh- Hey, hey, can you imagine? <laughs> no. And then like coming out of that like darker area than the surrounding light. But I did. I had a weird thought with that where, um, you know, we tend to get like kind of like binary thinking, I think, with um, spirits where it's like it's malevolent and it's like the most evil and dark mm-hmm. and, you know, h- horrifying or it's totally good and mm-hmm. harmless and almost like a like a just a, you know, the ghost of a lost little boy mm-hmm. or, or, or whatever or a relative and then there's like this whole middle ground of it can be like kind of a dick, but not fully a dick. Like, <laughs> like, like or what if they're just like weird and quirky? Yeah. yeah. Like I just pictured like, you know, like what if it's playing a practical joke? Yeah. And just a nut. Like there's plenty of nutty, weird people where it's like maybe you work in an office. Right. Which, you know, Ted is just an odd guy. Right. And he and he's, has an interesting social affect. And you just don't have a – you can't build a rapport with him. And he wants to, you know, throw lame jokes to you or he finds like <laughs> weird memes that only make sense to him. <laughs> And, you know, Are you describing our son? <laughs> no, at least they make sense to his buddies. Yeah. But it's like, but there's those people, it's like, you know, it's going to be, you may make it sad, but it's like, maybe he eats alone all the time because he just doesn't know how to connect. Yeah. And then I'm just thinking of like that person in ghost form. We're just like a weird nut who shows <laughs> right. up like, Psst, hey, hey, come here. But they don't have like a follow up necessarily. Right, right. Or they're like, it's, but it's this, this one in particular, though. I mean, I know you're not saying yeah, that about yeah. this because this one was like creepy as shit looking. Right, 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 yeah, right. yeah. The weird depiction, and but I'm like, why is it? Why is it whispering, or why is it doing this? Hey, over here. Well, I think it's. I think it for me. What I took from that, just uh, knowledge from yeah. the show, and just like my own stuff, is that oftentimes, if you don't, there is a theory that if you don't acknowledge it, mm-hmm. it it will go away on its own because yeah. you're giving energy to it. So if you don't feed into it. It's not getting what it needs from you or wants from you, and it will move on. Yeah. So if someone is trying to get your attention because that's what they need, right? then that's how this particular spirit was trying to get him to say, like, I see you. I know you're here. Like, they're saying, like, look at me. Look at me. Look at yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. And if it was the same thing that had been following him his whole life, it's like at this point, it's fucking irritated. Because <laughs> right. John, at this point, what are you, 30, 40? I don't know. Yeah. But he's like, oh. I, I just, I just like. I mean, other spirits have um, obviously wanted attention or, or taken energy or however you want to phrase it. But I just, this is the first one that I can think of mm-hmm. where we've heard, we've heard it being like, psst, "Hey, hey, come psst. here!" Like I, I just like the. Psst. 
Like yeah. that part is super funny to me. I mean, yeah. I know it was not funny for John. Oh yeah, I'm sure it wouldn't be funny if it happened to you. But I just now I just think about so many other stories where there's like a like a shadow entity in the background and it's hovering, yeah. or there's this uh, weird figure in the corner, and I just it's just funny to think of it almost like being annoyed if mm-hmm. you don't immediately acknowledge it or you don't react scared yeah. right away that it's just sitting there, it's just like, come on, look at me, <laughs> come on, come on, and then yeah. finally he just gets tired of waiting. It's like, hey. I'm the scary thing over here in the corner. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. If only. If only it felt like that. The scariest part for me was the dreaming and waking up and then seeing himself in his own bed. Mm, yeah, that that reminded me of a. Um, Ooh, buddy, I did not care for that. That's like to me, that's like a weird, like out of body doppelganger situation. Yeah, well, there's that phenomenon that some people believe in called astral projection. Oh yeah, and that would and that could it could be this. I mean, that's what yeah. they say is like that. You know, you're. I mean, essentially, without like you know going way into it, I mean, people. Some people believe that your basically your soul, your essence, can come out of your physical body, mm-hmm. like at night when like it's like uh, almost like um, sentient dreaming, where like you're mm-hmm. controlling the dream, but your dream isn't in some other place; it's in this world, and that in that you know sense, you would be able to like pop out and see yourself. Yeah, maybe uh, John has powers he's unaware of. <laughs> Insidious is uh, you know a good horror movie that deals with astral projection. We've talked about it before, but the the yeah. core of Insidious yeah. is is about astral projection. I've blocked that movie out of my brain for the most part because it's so scary. Yeah, that I don't want to. I don't want to like let my brain go there too much. Yeah, I don't want to spoil it for those who haven't seen it. I mean, it's been out for a while now. I, I don't. I don't think this is a spoiler. Uh, if if you really haven't seen that, if you haven't seen the movie and you really want to, I guess maybe close your ears for ten seconds. Yeah, but I mean, the core of that thing is the boy in the movie mm-hmm. is astral projecting at night, and when he's gone, mm-hmm. that allows something else to come into the his body. Like yeah. if he doesn't get back in time, like it's opening up. He he he. Uh, yeah, I, I can. Yeah, okay. I know what you're saying. Um, I've seen it. I, I follow. Um, is, is the I don't know if you know this about astral projection because I don't really know a lot about it. Is the theory that when you leave your body, that always leaves it open for something else to come in, or is that just the premise of that movie? I think that's just the premise of that movie. Okay, okay, yeah. I I have not read too much about astral projection. I get the the loose yeah. concept, but it's something that I don't want to well, dive into because then I feel like I'm either going to go down this like nerdy wormhole and there's yeah. going to be a lot of science stuff, and I'm be like, wait, what's that no. word mean? Like I'm going to lose a lot of my, you know, like along the way. And then also, it's just like if it is. I know there are loads of people who believe in it, so I'm like zero yeah. percent knocking it. Um, but I just also like if that is a thing, that's like the last thing I need in my brain. It's oh, like another option. That. Well, there's no agreed upon. I mean, because it is that paranormal, mm-hmm. you know, uh, part of the paranormal world, there is no science behind astral projection. Yeah, uh, essentially, as far as like proving it. Well, it, right. It is, you know, skeptics are like, no, it's it's nonsense. Yeah. And, and then because of that, uh, you know, when people say like, well, this is how it works. If you looked at 10 different sources, you might get 10 different answers. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, there's mm-hmm. not like a super agreed upon, this is how it has to be. Yeah. When I was reading it, I, when I was reading this story, uh, you know, just like learning it for today, I never even thought about astral projection as mm-hmm. a thing. I really was like, oh my God, like he's got a yeah. doppelganger and like he's waking up and seeing his doppelganger lying in <laughs> right, bed right. was where I went. I'm like, yeah. oh boy, if the thing in his bed, what if it had like rolled over and like, psst. I know. Like if you combine uh, those two yeah. things, mm-hmm. or just like, hey, buddy, mm-hmm. it starts Yee. like stroking his girlfriend's arm. Or something. Ah, ah, just could have gone sideways real fast. <laughs> uh, while I, while I'm thinking of movies, I 
I did finish, I think I mentioned on the previous episode, the Fear Street trilogy on Netflix. It's been trending as far as like oh, a yeah. popular Oh, yeah, you said uh, you were so, watching that. Yeah, I finished it. And just for any, you know, um, creeps and peepers, I would say this is definitely one for both creeps and peepers. Okay. It's not that scary, but it's very well done. Okay. Like, it, it has you know, definitely some good jump moments. Sure. But it's not supposed to be super, oh, my God, this is going to give you nightmares. Okay. It, 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 uh, I think I mentioned it before, but like um, like a little darker Stranger Things vibe. Oh yes, you did use that analogy before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just, just, just a little bit more adult, but but not much. Okay, not much. Like if any parents, if you're like comfortable with your kids uh, watching Stranger Things, there's a couple sexual scenes, no nudity or anything like mm-hmm. that. But just it's like innuendo. Not, it's more than innuendo. Okay, it's uh, some people having sex, but you don't you don't see anything. Okay, but but other than that, you know, it's it's pretty tame outside of a little bit of profanity and stuff. But again, just uh, I thought just the the structure was really well done. Nice, nice. I'm watching a different show about creeps and peepers called uh, America uh, True uh, America a True American Crime Story Impeachment about the Bill Clinton impeachment. <laughs> oh, you said it's about creeps and peepers. No, so. I, I, I said yeah. Well, it's a different kind of. I said <laughs> oh, um, gotcha. I get you. I, I see what you're doing now. <laughs> Buzz um, cut. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do you have some Annabelle shout outs that you want to do or would you like me to go first? How about you start? I will start. I would like to thank the following Annabelles for helping us com- uh, contribute to another charity this month. I would like to thank Victor, no last name given, Marky Deadman, Rick Bowersox, Shayla Rivis or Rivas, Emily Peterson, Sarah Nieto, Megan Olufsen, Betsy Southall, Mark Lucas, Sarah Hughes, Jake Boss, Josh Mellinger, Sydney Spring, Dolan Wyatt, Kelly Geiger, Josie Waddington, Joey Mitchell, Isaiah Rodriguez, Ben Jamin. There's no way that's your name. Uh, your name has <laughs> ben to be Benjamin. It has to be Benjamin, and you mm-hmm. go by Benjamin, and I freaking love it. Chandler Easter, Calvin Carlson, Brent Graham, Hayden Klaumanzer, Stacey Aguilar, Nicholas Mylan, and James Holton. And I would like to thank the additional uh, Annabelles of Lucas Davey, Angela Hamar, Samra Seymour, Angel A. Lopez, Pita and Jordan Kube, Christopher Turcos, Rob Sukach, Kirsten Weichel, Alex Morales, Mac Cobb, Taylor Miner, Mackenzie Mursaki, Ashley Whistler, Misty Kavan. Uh, Kavasnika, <laughs> Puddin Podcasting, <laughs> Joshua Turner, Sierra Aguilera, uh, Ger- uh, it's almost, it's like Gerard without the extra R. So Gerard, Gerard, uh, Gerard, Drift. Jer- it might be Jared. Yeah, just a, oh yeah, just a different spelling for Jared that I'm used to seeing. Uh, so possibly Jared Driftzilla Gonzalez, uh, Carmen Clark, Christy Weaver, Josh M. Kelly, uh, Linthicum. Cassidy Hale, Jesse Rose, Tim Callahan. Yeah, thank all of you. And it is an interesting thing. I'm just thinking with names. It's funny. I don't. Uh, I do not feel bad for mispronouncing like uh, names anymore. Mm-hmm. Just because. Uh, and and you know, I did this a little bit with Kyler. You know, like uh, where his name was just you know somebody's name like that I grew up with. But mm-hmm. it's like I. I'm guessing like his that person's parents, like Kyler Wilson's parents, could have just made it up. Right. Like this happens more and more mm-hmm. where I think like maybe years ago people kind of depict family names, mm-hmm. you know, traditional mm-hmm. names more. And now in the last like, you know, couple generations, people just make sh- like literally make shit up. Yeah. And so sometimes the spelling, I'm like, well, yeah, there's a reason I haven't seen this because it's a nonsense word <laughs> that somebody's parents were like, this is what I want. Well, and I think also, too, <laughs> something that happens with like last names is yeah. because we 
it's not the same like you said about like keeping lineage mm-hmm. right it's not about like the thompson family you know and it's like handed down to, it's like people get married people get divorced people um do hyphenated names and then p- people who are the kids of hyphenated who mm. will grow up with a hyphenated name sometimes take that smash the hyphenated name oh, they'll change their last name and, i hadn't heard of that oh yeah they'll take huh. the hyphenated last name like let's just say for ease smith and jones and yeah. make it you know uh moans i don't know whatever and then that it'll be like that'll be like their first name and then their hyphenated last name will be this version of their old hyphenated last name huh. and hyphenate it with their new last name i had not heard of that people changing their last so name like, too so yeah like, so like i was like radzeminski my mom was hogue so if my mom would have taken hogue and radzeminski and decided to be hyphenated if she would have been joan hogue hyphen radzeminski and then if i took hogue and radzeminski and made a new last name out of that huh it's essentially like how you can take a new middle name. You can you can change yeah. your name whenever yeah, yeah. you want. Mm-hmm. So people will do that, especially if you're getting married. You have to go change your name anyways. Right, right. So then you can do that. So I could have been like weird hyphenated last name smashed into new name. Huh. Yeah. Hyphen Cummins. Lindsay, weird name, hyphen Cummins. Crazy. So so some of these like it it becomes like, Yeah, yeah. Because and, and you're also like you're blending cultures like in a way that we used to not, right? So it's like some of these names, sometimes I'm like, well, I don't know this because I grew up in ohio and like i don't know some of these names that are very common in england <laughs> right <laughs> right like, right sure it's yeah. like the smith and jones of the uk mm-hmm. but i don't know i've never yeah. seen that word before but you came over here you married somebody now they've got your last name and i'm like i got nothing for you <laughs> do you have some spoopy shout outs oh i do oh man i almost skipped right over them let me just get right back there okay I would like to give the following spoopy shout-outs to Dan and Elisa. Congratulations on your engagement. Uh, they bonded over scared to death. Uh, I, one of them, I'm, I'm thinking Dan wrote in asking for this, so hopefully she said yes. This was a preemptive. <laughs> uh, to Re from Austin, happy B-Day. To Creeper Whitney from Peeper Jacob, oh, I'll always be there for you, hang in there. To Chandler from your brother uh, Brandon, happy belated birthday. To Hope from David, congrats on your engagement. Oh, he just proposed. Hope she said yes. I guess we've got two of them. Wow. And to Ashley from Sean, happy belated birthday. And that is our show. Thanks for continuing to send in your personal tales of terror to my story at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. You can email us for everything else at info at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. Thanks to Logan Keith and Liz Hernandez for their work on social media and to Logan again for running badmagicmerch.com. And thanks to Zach Flannery for producing and directing today. Woohoo! Zach Cohen for custom soundbed creation. Heather Rylander for organizing the My Story emails. And book editor Drew Atana for helping format the listener stories each week. Thanks to producer Sophie Evans for finding my first story today. Producer Olivia Lee for finding the second. Uh, Joe Paisley, uh, our thoughts are with him. He is out this week dealing with a family emergency. So, uh, you know, his father's undergoing some pretty serious medical tests right now. And Joe's with him in the hospital, hoping to hear good news soon. It is pretty serious, uh, you know, life-threatening situation. So send good thoughts to Joe. Hug the ones you love and enjoy your nightmares, creeps and peepers. Hope you were scared to death. Bye. If spirits threaten me in this place, fight water by water and fire by fire. Banish their souls into nothingness and remove their powers until the last trace. Let these evil beings flee through time and space. Evil may pass through, but have no home here within scared to death. Add Magic Productions. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, 
I'm okay. When the truth is... I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say... Hang it in there. Because... If I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. You ever meet someone who seems kind of off? Whether it's a creepy neighbor or a random phone number that keeps calling you, Truthfinder has you covered. You can search for people by name, address, phone number, email, and more. Truthfinder can be especially helpful for running confidential background checks on anyone you're planning to meet from online dating apps. Go to truthfinder.com slash podcasts for a special offer. That's truthfinder.com slash podcasts to access your special offer today.